bless this word today. Since the beginning of the church, in fact, as far back as the first century when Paul wrote this letter that we just read from, Letter to the Colossians, there have been people who have tried to spread false teachings about what it meant to be people of God. Paul considered these false teachers to be hollow and deceptive. And here in Colossians, he was warning the Christians of his day to be careful what they listen to and what they believe to be true. And I will tell you that his warning still stands for us today. Here's what we must realize, probably more so now than ever before, especially even back when Paul wrote his letter. In spite of the direction that society goes in, in spite of what anyone says or does, in spite of traditions, whether they be religious or secular, in spite of the philosophies of the world, we must stand firm on the simple truths that are found in the Word of God. God's Word, the Bible, has not become outdated or irrelevant <clears throat> despite what others might say. The Word of God is just as relevant today as it ever was. Has the world changed since Paul's day? Absolutely. And unfortunately, not for the better. <clears throat> and along the way, there have been many Christians in an attempt to fit in or remain relevant who have changed along with it, <clears throat> becoming something that we as followers of Christ were never meant to be. Let me say again that the problem with the mindset that says we need to change the gospel in order to fit our current societal whims is that regardless of how far our society degrades, the Word of God has not and will not change. It stands secure. It stands firm. Our methods may change. Our methods need to change. But our message must stay on point. Something I really want us to grasp in this sermon is that as a result of the growing divide in the direction that current society and true followers of Christ As a result of that growing divide, these two cultures will eventually collide. It's probably a lot closer to happening than many would like to believe. But here's what we need to realize. These things are inevitable. And if there was ever a time to do it, now is the time to stand firm. It should come as no surprise that the world around us is ever-changing and moving away from godly principles. That shouldn't surprise us as Christians. That's bad enough, and it should be expected. It's been that way since Paul's day when he wrote this letter to the Colossians. Even among some who profess to be men and women of God, there are those who are trying to water down the gospel, insert false truths, and pass along this new version of the gospel alongside of the one found in the Word of God. And sadly, while this is happening right before our eyes, we often ignore it. You might say, well, well, Pastor, I'm very aware of what's going on. And that's great. But being aware of this alone is not enough. Each of us at some point will have to make a choice as to whether we will stand firm on the truth found in the Word of God or go along with what is popular or more accepted by an ungodly society. I'm not saying we walk around with a chip on our shoulder just daring someone to knock it off. I'm not saying that we need to walk around like jerks and be obstinate 
just for the sake of being obstinate. No, what I'm saying is that regardless of what the world says or where society as a whole may go, the Word of God stands true. And we as followers of Christ will at some point have to make a choice. Will we walk away from the truths found in the Word of God or will we stand firm? Here's the problem, or at least one of the problems. Often these deceptive truths, the ones promoted by Christians and non-Christians alike, are very enticing. But regardless how attractive they may seem, regardless how attractive they may sound, they will not provide us with abundant life that Christ came to bring us. We need to stand firm on the gospel message. We need to stand firm on the Word of God. And the only way to do that is to study the Word of God, know what it says, and ask the Holy Spirit to help us to follow faithfully the commandments found in the Word. We can't know what's false if we don't know what's true. We need to be studying the Word, asking for understanding, and then when we hear something deceptive or false, we need to declare it as such and continue returning back to the Word of God. As you know by now, today we're beginning a brand new sermon series titled Collide. As we've already seen, going back even to the Apostle Paul's day, the Christian faith has been on a collision course with the culture around us. The values of the world do not align with the values of our faith. The priorities of the world do not align with the priorities of our faith. The kingdom of man, this world that we live in, is not seeking the same things as the kingdom of God. And because of that, we shouldn't be surprised if and when we experience conflict and tension. In fact, instead of being surprised by it, stay with me here, instead of being surprised by that, we should see that conflict and tension as and tension as a confirmation that we're doing the right thing. If we were going along with the world, there would be no conflict. There would be no tension. But the question is, when that happens, and it will, what will we do? Have you ever been out on a walk and you find yourself going through a, uh, a rough place, a, a slippery spot, a, a place of difficulty, loose sand, rocks, uh, whatever it might be that makes your footing unsure. The kind of place where every time you put your foot down, you're not sure if you're going to slip or trip, end up airborne, and eventually land on the ground. Here's what I mean. These are my everything shoes. I wear them to do gardening. I wear them when I'm walking the dogs. You can see they're very worn out. And pretty much everything else around the house. They are quite worn out. I've even put them back together with screws. <laughs> I'm very handy that way. No, that's Here we go. See, I knew somebody would say that. Here's the thing. It's not that I can't go buy another pair. But these are comfortable, and they're well broken in, so I just keep wearing them. Now, that's another whole sermon, and we won't go there. That's for another time. There is absolutely 
no tread left on the bottom. So when we walk the dogs every morning, by experience, since we take the same route every day, I have learned where those rough patches, those slippery spots are. Those places where if there is the least bit of water on the sidewalk and I'm not careful, I will probably end up on the ground. Even then, just being aware that those places are there is not enough. After all, temperature changes. The amount of water that's on the sidewalk changes. The amount of mildew that's present because somebody didn't clean their sidewalk changes, and on and on and on. At best, the surface is inconsistent, ever-changing. So what do I do? I creep along through those anything but stable places very cautiously to ensure that I stand firm, knowing that if I don't, the sidewalk and I will eventually collide. My perilous adventure of the shoes is much like folks walking through life trying to depend on worldly wisdom for stability. Try as you may, if you are trusting in worldly wisdom, you're never quite sure if you're going to step on solid ground. You're never quite sure if you're, where your foot lands is a place of firm footing because the foundational principles and values of the world are inconsistent and constantly changing. Well, Pastor, I don't know if I believe that or not. That's okay. Fair enough. But consider this. Things that we could have never imagined just 20 years ago have become not only accepted, but in many cases the norm. Things that just a few years ago, not just Christians, but society in general, would have squinted their collective eyes and said, huh? And now it's okay. Even worse is that many of those things have become so accepted that if you speak out against it, you're accused of hate speech, and in the eyes of society, you are the bad guy. So if there was ever a time not just to be aware, but to stand firm on what is stable, it is now. We can trust, we can stand firm on the eternal, consistent teachings of the Word of God, the Scripture. Let's read Colossians 2.8 again. It's going to be up here on the screen, but this time I want us to read the words of Paul out loud together. Let's read this together. See to it that no man takes your, you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy. I don't hear you. Let's start over. See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the basic principles of this world rather than on Christ. That would sound a lot better. In this one verse, Paul warns us about the world's logic and values. He calls us as believers to stand firm, not on the things of the world, but instead stand firm on a completely different set of values, those values found in the Word of God, the values of Jesus Christ. But even when we choose to stand firm on the things of God, we will still be faced with the values of the world. Values that are becoming more and more diametrically opposed to the Word of God. So as it is with most things in a Christian walk, that means there will always be choices. And you and I, at some point, will be called on to make a choice. 
So how do we know when something we hear is worldly? How do we know when something we hear is godly? How do we know when we are being led astray or worse, being held captive by worldly principles and teachings? Let's dig a little bit deeper into that. Let's go back to the illustration I, I brought up a few minutes ago about going through a rough patch with my super cool shoes here. Regarding worldly principles and teachings, I said this, you're never quite sure if you're going to step on solid ground, a place of firm footing, because the foundational principles and values of the world are inconsistent and constantly shifting. There are a couple important lessons to remember here. Number one, worldly values are inconsistent. Let me help illustrate this point with something that we are all familiar with, a couple of, of primary motives of the kingdom of this world. Number one, we've all heard these before. Number one, follow your heart. Number two, do whatever makes you happy. Back in the 60s and 70s, it was, if it feels good, do it. If you lived through the 60s and 70s and you don't remember that, it's probably because you were doing too much of that. <laughs> On the surface... These principles may sound good enough or even reasonable, but the problem is these principles are inconsistent, shaky, and they contradict the teaching of the Scripture. <gasps> Pastor, but I like those. Someone said to me recently, the heart does not lie, which goes right along with the idea of follow your heart. Here's the problem with that. Jeremiah 17.9 says, the heart is deceitful, deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? Hmm. So while the world says follow your heart, the Bible says the heart is wicked, deceitful, confusing. Who can understand it? Jesus said in Matthew 10.39, whoever finds their life will lose it, and whoever loses their life for my sake will find it. The world says that you need to make sure that you're happy no matter what. But Jesus says we should lose our lives for his sake. Meaning we take all of the stuff that we think makes us happy in our own little kingdoms and we trade it for what we experience in his kingdom where amazingly we find deep abiding joy. The heart is more inconsistent than the sidewalk in my neighborhood. It's always changing. And as a result, if we follow our, our heart, we will be falling in and out of love with any number of things. Happiness is an ever-moving target from one day to the next, sometimes even an hour at a time. I said something in Bible study this past Wednesday night that goes along with this. I said, we are really bad at predicting what will make us happy. And we are. We think, well, if I only had that, I would be happy. And then we get that. And we were wrong. Because now we want that. And we keep going to that and that and that and that until we have a whole collection of that's. And we shove them all in a shed or in the garage so we can go out and look for more that's. Because none of them made us happy. You know why? Because we are terrible at predicting what will make us happy. Because most of the time when we seek for the things that make us happy in this world, we are following our heart. 
and the heart's a liar, deceitful above all things. If we are looking to the world for happiness, then what makes us happy today is at best temporary because tomorrow, next week, next month, we will be back looking for the next best thing that will give us a little happiness, but none of those things will provide lasting joy or peace. With those things in mind, let's be completely honest for a moment. Do we really think that we can successfully build our life or anything stable off of the principles of follow your heart and do whatever makes you happy? And I'll answer no. As you think about that last question, let's go to Matthew 7, 24 through 27. In this passage, Jesus is teaching his Sermon on the Mount, and this is what he has to say about building our lives. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against the house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain came down and the streams rose and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell with a great crash. Did you catch that? Jesus himself is commanding us to listen and obey his teachings and if and when we do, we will be standing on firm foundation. And the most important thing that we can do as the world and the church heads towards a collision is to stand firm on the Word of God. Not on my words. Not on Pastor Greg's words. Not on my opinions or anyone else's opinions, but on the Word of God. If I can speak from personal experience... I would tell you that many of the values the world will throw at you, out of all of those things, none of them will allow you to stand firm when the going gets tough. They are the shifting sands, the slippery sidewalks of inconsistency. So then why are they so attractive? Why does it sound so appealing to follow my heart, seek out whatever makes me happy, and on and on? Here's why. While we see that worldly values are inconsistent, we also need to realize that worldly values are seductive. Seductive, Another word for seductive is enticing. The truth is many things and words the world, tr- world tries to give us and tell us can look and sound very attractive when we first see and hear them. Believe it or not, the Bible actually talks about this. 2 Timothy 4, 3 and 4 says this, For the time will come... When men will not put up with sound doctrine, instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. You see, Paul knew, oh, we're not finished. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. You see, Paul knew that many people would spend their entire lives searching for a truth that lined up with their lifestyle. Let me say that again. Paul knew that many people would spend their entire lives 
looking for a truth that would line up with their lifestyle. Not the truth, but a truth that would line up with their lifestyle. Along those same lines, many people reject the truth in Scripture because it contradicts or doesn't line up with their lifestyle. They hear or or maybe even receive something that was meant to bring conviction, and rather than change, they ignore it as being useless. Well, that doesn't apply to me. Or, well, that's not really what Scripture means. When the Bible says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, it is not saying that we make up our own salvation or what we want the Bible to say by tearing out parts that we don't like. I think the fear and trembling part of that passage should cause us to rethink that, but unfortunately, many times it doesn't. It also doesn't mean we go church to church trying to find someone who will tell us what we want to hear as opposed to what the Bible says. Knowing that there is a collision of culture coming, we have to be people who are continuously filling our hearts and our minds and our ears with the only real truth we can find, and it is only found in the pages of the Scripture and the Word of God. The Bible is full of practical life principles that enable us to live the abundant life that Jesus came to bring us. Practical life principles that no matter how far off track the world may get, we will still be able to stand firm. In John 10.10, Jesus specifically tells us that this is the goal. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. But I have come that you may have life and have it to the full. What the devil can't fully destroy, he'll seek to distract. He will try to steal your time, your treasure, your attention. He said, well, pastor, how you know? Because I live in this same world. There is plenty of stuff to do other than serve God. I'm not a hermit. If there wasn't, this place would be full today. He will try to steal your time, your treasure, your attention. Why? Because it's attractive. And that's why we have to stand firm on the Word of God. That's why we need to have daily time in God's Word. That's why we have to abide in Christ. In John 15, 5, Jesus said, I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. And then he goes on to say, apart from me, you can do nothing. So if we think that we can just go over here and live our lives any way we want, I'm going to just live the way I want to. I don't have to read the Word. I don't have to follow the Word. I don't really care about all that stuff. I am fine. Jesus said otherwise. He said, apart from me, you can do nothing. As we learn how to point out the worldly values that don't align with the kingdom of God, we also need to spend some energy, a lot of energy, pursuing the values that do align with the Word of God. It's not enough just to stay away from the world. What are you pursuing? Are we pursuing the things of the world? Well, I'm not really doing, I'm not really doing that. 
But are you pursuing the things of God? If not, why not? We need to allow the Holy Spirit to guide us. It's not enough to simply say no to the things of the world. We have to take it a step further and say yes to the things of God. There is no neutral place, folks. Well, I'm not really living for the world, but I'm not really living for God. I'm just kind of in, no, there is no middle. Jesus even said, I would rather you be hot or cold. Because if you're lukewarm, I'm just going to spit you out. There is no lukewarm. And when it comes down to a collision between the values of the world, the values of society, and the values of the church, the values found in the Word of God, there will be no middle ground. At some point, we will be forced to choose. Oh, I don't really like that, Pastor Dave. Okay. It was happening in Paul's day. Things have gotten worse. So I'm not going to stand here and pat you on the head and say, everything's going to be okay. It is going to be okay as long as we're following after God. But if we think we can just live life any way we want, and in the end it just all washes out, that's not the way it works, folks. We have the Holy Spirit in us to be a guide and a strength in this endeavor. John 14, 17 says this, He is the Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept Him because it neither sees Him nor knows Him, but you will know Him for He lives with you and will be in you. In John 16, 13, Jesus invites us to allow the Holy Spirit to lead us into all truth. But when the He, the Holy Spirit, Spirit of truth comes, He will guide you into all truth. Once we begin to follow God's lead, we will be able to experience the best life possible. We will constantly, we will be constantly coming back to the only truth worth standing on, one that will never lead us astray. Five months ago, or five years ago, last month actually, I started on a journey. Pastor Majid, who was the previous pastor here, had just resigned as the pastor of High Point Church. I was on the board, and at the time I was the worship leader here at High Point Church. As a result, I was trying to navigate through some feelings about what I felt was next for High Point Church as we went forward. There was one thing that I knew for sure, and it was this. I would never be the pastor of a church. So there was that. But even then, I wasn't sure what God wanted me to do. I was convinced he didn't want me to pastor, but I prayed about the situation. I I searched for answers in the Word of God. I discussed it with some different people and decided after talking to Pastor Magine at length to let the church decide if they wanted me to be the next pastor. Obviously, God had 
changed my heart. So here I am almost five years later as a pastor of High Point Church. So depending on your views, it seemed to have worked out. <laughs> or at least is working out. At the time all this was happening, we owned a business in Lakeland. So after about two and a half years of pastoring and running a business, we made a decision that even though there was, I didn't have an income here at High Point Church, we made a decision to close the business so that I could better focus on church growth here in the greater Brandon area. All of this was a big step of faith. So when I say I discussed it with some different people, I assure you they weren't all positive in their response. I heard everything from, eh, I don't know, are you sure? To, that's just crazy. How will you make a living? To, you better make sure it's God because that doesn't sound like it's going to work out very well. And my personal favorite, I thought you said you'd never do that. So, I heard everything from those cheerful pieces of advice to, Someone who actually said, well, if that's what you feel God is leading you to do, then that's what you have to do. The truth is, from the standpoint of society and the world around me, it didn't just seem like a bad idea. It really just seemed kind of dumb. But that was from the viewpoint of the world. The bottom line was that at some point, I had to block out all of the noise of the world around me so I could hear what God was trying to say to me, the truth about what I should do. And I can guarantee you this, those two sides were as opposed to one another as today's society is from followers of Christ. What it came down to was that I had to stand firm on what God was saying to me. I had to trust him and block out everything else. And as a church going forward, you personally and as a church going forward, we have to stand firm on the Word of God and block out everything else. I don't care what somebody's teaching someplace else if it doesn't line up with the Word of God. I don't care if somebody says, yeah, but you know what? If you'll just let go of, of, of some of this parts in the Bible... You could fill this place up five times. And what would we accomplish? We would fill five, the place up five times with people who are going to hell. That's not what I was called to do. It's not what we were called to do by Jesus. We are called to go and make disciples. And in order to do that, we have to decide what we believe, what the Word of God says, and then we have to stand firm on that. It takes devotion and it takes effort to learn to walk in step with the Spirit as you follow the teachings of the Scripture. I'm not saying it's easy. There will always be temptations to veer off the path and go adventuring through those rough or unstable patches that although they seem enticing, they're unstable. But again, those temptations are only temporary, just like the rewards they promise. Abundant life is found only in the kingdom of God. And the Holy Spirit is given to us as a gift to help lead and guide the way. If you have not realized it by now, let me just say it again. The world is trying to draw you into values that are at best inconsistent 
unstable, seductive, and at worst, destructive. But as we continue through this series over the next few weeks, we will see that each of us has an opportunity to invite the Spirit of God to guide us into scriptural truths, the one thing that we can stand on, knowing that it will stand firm. Dottie Rambo wrote a song several years ago. and In that song it says, When the earth around me is sinking sand, on Christ the solid rock I'll stand. When I need a shelter, when I need a friend, I go to the rock. We need to go to the rock. All of the distractions of the world, we can't let them become our focus because they are not our focus. They cannot be our focus. Heaven needs to be our focus because this life, no matter how, how long you might think it is, well, I'm going to live 100 years. That's fine. 100 years compared to eternity is nothing. The first step is to recognize the false truths and principles that a segment of society is trying to force on the rest of the world. And also to call out and recognize any of those false teachings that you may believe in and are following. If you look at your life and say, whoa, that probably shouldn't be there. That doesn't line up with the Word of God. Then you need to call that out. And you need to say, God, take that away from me. If my focus is on those type of things, I know that's not where my focus needs to be. Help me to focus on the things that I should focus on. I gave a couple of examples earlier, but for reference, it would be things like follow your heart, do whatever makes you happy. You're an army of one. You can become anything you set your mind to do. After we realize and admit that there are false truths and principles in the world around us that are diametrically opposed to the Word of God. Next, in order not to end up blindly following and allowing these principles to prevail in our lives, we need to admit how enticing and attractive they are. It's okay to admit it. Boy, that sure looks kind of cool, but that doesn't line up with the Word of God, so. Oh, looky there. They are attractive. And let me add, it does you no good to pretend they're not. It also does no good to think that we can avoid the persistent false teaching that is rampant in the world simply because we don't like it. It is there. But we do not have to follow it. The choice is ours. And finally... Although we might not be able to completely get away from hearing it, we don't have to follow it. And if we are studying the Word of God and being led by the Holy Spirit, that won't happen. So will you choose to take a stand today and tomorrow and the next day going forward? Will you choose to trust in the leading of the Holy Spirit? Will you make a daily commitment to Scripture, a daily commitment to prayer?
told Pastor Greg recently, I think some people view church kind of like a, um, a spiritual water park. If the weather's good and I'm feeling it, I might just go down there. I'm not going to get really involved, but I can have a little fun. It's kind of cool. Not making any commitment. Going to church won't save you. Not what I'm saying. You don't have to go to church to go to heaven. Let me tell you another truth. You don't have to have on a parachute to jump out of an airplane either. But it will make the trip a lot more enjoyable. And the landing a lot smoother. We need to be in church. We need to read our Bibles. We need to pray. We need to hear the Word of God taught. We need to hear the Word of God preached. We need to know what is true. Because if we don't know what is true, how will we know what is false? The Secret Service is in charge of of counterfeiting and preventing counterfeiting. And I will tell you that the way that they do what they do to find counterfeit bills is not by learning what every counterfeit bill looks like. Instead, they find out what the real thing looks like so thoroughly. They know it inside and out, front and back, hold it up to the light. They can feel it. They can touch it. They can smell it. They know it so well that if anything else comes along that doesn't look, feel, touch, and smell like that, they know it's fake. They know what's fake by knowing what's true. And the only way that we will know what is fake trying to get into our lives is by knowing what the Word of God says because the only truth we will find will be in the Word of God. Everything else will be an opinion. Please don't get me wrong. I am not admonishing folks today to start acting like we're in a cult. I'm not asking you to follow my words. I'm saying we must follow the Word of God. Society is on its course. The church needs to stay true to theirs. Let's pray. Lord, today, we are grateful for your word. Lord, we are grateful that we have been able to hear what you have spoken to us today. Lord, we're thankful that, that we have a way of knowing what is true and what is not. In the Word of God. Lord, I ask that you would give us a greater desire to seek out the truths that are found in your Word. Give us a greater desire to spend time with you in prayer. Give us a greater desire to seek out the things that will bring us to the place where you want us to be as followers. 
Lord, give us, give us the insight to see those things that are not true, the things that do not line up with the Word of God. Speak to us through the power of the Holy Spirit. Lead us and guide us into all truth. Lord, we will give you glory. We will give you honor. We'll give you praise. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Worship team, would you sing?